Well, good morning, church. My name is Amy. If I haven't met you before, I am one of the pastors here at One Hope, and it's a real privilege and a real honour to be sharing with you this morning. Now, I have to be honest, I need to start with a little bit of a vent. Is that okay? Just a bit of a Sunday morning rant. Does anybody here, and maybe I should ask the question, does anyone here not know of the Wiggles? Hands up if you have never heard of the Wiggles. Okay, I'm speaking to people that know who I'm talking about here. Well, my son Sam, who's 10, he'll be 11 next year, he, from about the age of two, became obsessed with the Wiggles. This is a kids' Australian um, band. They're very high on energy, very colourful, very catchy songs, you know, hot potato, all that sort of stuff. And he was obsessed. And we literally saw every single episode of Wiggles, I'm sure of it. This is about eight years ago now. And then my next son, Lewis, he kind of bypassed that and he was, you know, not into that. He was more into Paw Patrol and stuff. So we had a little bit of a breather, which was nice from the Wiggles. And now we've got little Miller, who's two years old and guess what? She loves the Wiggles. But it is a confusing world out there with the Wiggles now. I've come back to this Wiggles. It used to be four of them, you know, and there was the originals. And now there's like eight Wiggles. There's all these new characters, Bok and some unicorn and there's a whole lot going on. Okay. And I tell you what, I sit there and I watch this and I think it's too much. I can't handle it. Um, Miller loves it. She's enthralled in it. She loves the music and she loves to dance. But there was a, a time a few months ago, I was sitting there watching it with her where I'd had enough because this character came on and we're going to watch here. So stick with me. I'm the tree of wisdom. First thing you should do is start to shaky, shaky, and the answer will come to you. I'm the tree of wisdom, helping is what I do. No question is too big or small, I'll go out on a limb for you. Some of the kids in the parents' room just got excited for a minute there. Now, uh, the tree of wisdom is a new character. Now I sat there and I was seething, like how dare the Wiggles go to a tree for wisdom? They've got a problem and they go to the tree of wisdom and the tree of wisdom solves their problem. Then I was like, this is heresy. This is just wrong. And I was getting so fired up. I also had a bit of a love-hate relationship with the tree of wisdom because I kind of appreciated his good dance moves too. Um, But I was angry. And you know what? I felt this like conviction in my heart actually in that moment where God was really showing me, you know what, Amy, so often in your life, in your faith journey, you actually treat me like the tree of wisdom where there is a problem, something you need from me and you come, you run up and you say, hey God, there's this going, oh great, yep, okay, I'm on my way. And I just sat for a moment And I thought, I am not content in my life, in my faith journey with God, to reduce Him to be so small that that He is just this tree of wisdom that we go to for what we need and then we keep going. I'm not content in living that way. And I really believe this morning what God wants to draw out of us, what He's been working on in me, is that we are to sit with a holy reverence in the fear of the Lord and recognise His greatness. I believe that that word, the fear of the Lord, is something that actually we easily gloss over. It it 
pops up in Scripture all the time to fear God, the fear of the Lord. And, and if I'm honest, I've glossed over that phrase many times because it has actually brought a sense of fear in me. What does it mean to fear God? It's actually recorded over 300 times in the Bible, a version of that phrase. Fearing the Lord probably does not seem very desirable to us as Christians as there are actually quite a few stories in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, where people have an encounter with God and they are completely terrified. I'm sure you can think of many. I think of, you know, in Exodus 3, when Moses is in front of the burning bush and there's full-on flames and this bush won't actually burn up. And it says, at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When he receives the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, it says, these are some of the the descriptions that we read. It says, There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently at the sound of the trumpet, as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Wind, fire, thunder, mountains trembling violently. No wonder at times as Christians, we're a bit nervous to actually explore what it is to fear the Lord. You know, in Exodus 40, it talks about the construction of the tabernacle. God's glory fills it. His presence dwells amongst the Israelites. And it says, in the form of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies once a year to be in God's presence. There are so many acts of God recorded in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, that are honestly terrifying. I think of the flood wiping out all of humanity except for one family, Noah and his family, the 10 plagues in Egypt, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction of Jericho. I think in the New Testament in Acts 5 where it talks about Ananias and Sapphira uh, struck down dead for lying about their offering or the transfiguration where Jesus is transfigured in front of his disciples and is terrified. I think of the whole book of Revelation where, you know, various vivid descriptions describe apocalyptic uh, events, really, and this is what we, we read about. By the way, if you are new to church today, please stick with me. This is all anchored in the big story of God's love for us and His, his uh, desire for His children to be known by Him and for us to be in union with Him. I'm not trying to say this this morning to freak everyone out and to make you fearful of God to the point that you can't relate to Him. But I really, really believe that we need to recognise that we cannot and should not compartmentalise God. He cannot be our own small God that fits into our life. He is both loving and gentle, but He is powerful and sovereign. When we look at what the fear of the Lord means, it is interesting that both the Hebrew and the Greek expressions emphasise a profound sense of awe respect, reverence, and an obedience to God. And it's rather than a fear based on terror, it's actually about recognising God's greatness and authority and living in a way that responds to this. You know, I can't 
come up with a metaphor that would do this justice. But I've often thought that if I was out swimming in the ocean, deep in the ocean, or if I was in a boat deep in the ocean, and a whale came by, a huge whale, I would be both terrified, but in absolute awe of this beautiful being, of the magnitude of this being. Perhaps too, it could be that, you know, we could be standing on the, on the cliff edge of a mountain or looking down and looking at, you know, how high this mountain is, how glorious nature is and what we're seeing. But at the same time, there's that sense of fear and terror that is of awe and reverence. You know, fear can actually be good. It stops us from jumping off the cliff. It stops us from jumping out in front of a car. But really, when we think about it, fear is what or who we have absolute regard for. You know, unfortunately, the wrong type of fear can grip many of us. Where the fear of the Lord leads us to freedom, worldly fear and unhealthy fear can lead us to a pit of anxiety, of stress, of worry, and wrong priorities. It's interesting to note that the phrase that is said the most in the Bible, so out of everything God says throughout the Bible, the phrase that is said the most is a version of, do not be afraid. You know, God describes us through the Bible. Jesus himself in the New Testament talks over and over again about us as humans being like sheep. I find it a little bit offensive, to be honest, because they're not the smartest animals. But when we think of sheep, they can look calm in a paddock when they're just, you know, eating grass and grazing. But if there's any sort of a threat near them, a potential threat, whether that's a sheepdog or a person, um, a car that goes past, they become fearful and skittish. Have you seen this before? You know, they, they clamour on top of each other and they really look like fearful beings. It's no wonder that Jesus in Matthew 9, 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Like I said, they are not the smartest beings. And I believe that actually as humans, we can be a little bit like this. We can walk around fearful, skittish, clamouring on top of each other. And actually, it reduces our spiritual intelligence. The Bible talks about how when we fear the Lord, this actually, it does the opposite. And it talks about us having wisdom and knowledge. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I think we, and I'm including myself in this, As Christ followers, at times we can become distracted, we can become lazy, we can become scared, we can be deceived, and we start to try and make God fit into our small lives. We end up walking in an unhealthy way of fear instead of the fear of the Lord. You know, there's so many reasons why as humans we fear. Circumstantial fear is a big one that, you know, we go through things in life that are are really challenging, that are really scary, and we experience fear. Sometimes we experience that through other people. We know people around us that are going through something that's really hard, and we feel the fear from their situation, or we turn on the TV or open up our news app, and fear floods our social media. 
You know, there are significant situations where we feel fear, and I'm not saying that that is wrong. But what I am encouraging us to do is to sit in the fear of the Lord in these situations. That I almost feel like sometimes we've got our gaze fixed on on the fear of our situation, and we need to shift it to the fear of the Lord, positioning ourselves in a place where we can thank God and be in awe of Him, remembering how big He is. And it's amazing that as we do this, as we actually, you know, can really train ourselves more and more to sit in the fear of the Lord and in awe of Him, that those other fears actually start to diminish. I think there's actually three really unhealthy fears. There's lots of unhealthy fears, but I want to address three really unhealthy fears that I think can crop up in our lives. The first one is fear from lies. Now, whether these are lies that you know, you yourself have have told yourself, someone else has said to you, maybe it's the lies of the accuser. We can't ignore the fact that we do have an enemy that wants to produce and breed fear in our lives. I think back to a time when Sam, who many of you will know um, in this church has had significant medical history and surgeries. And, you know, I feel like every time I speak up here, there's something I reflect on in his life because God did such a work in our family in that time. But There was a moment when he was in prep in in 2019 and he was about to go and get a pretty major surgery. And um, I remember I was at my mum and dad's house and we just got back his prep school photos. And I was, you know, proud mum and I was showing them the photos. And as I showed my mum this photo of Sam, his little cute prep smile, I just felt this um, sense that there was this voice that really just said to me, That'll make a great photo for the funeral. Yeah. And I was paralysed with fear to the point that I'm someone, if you know me, I'm an oversharer. You know, people know what I'm thinking before I've even said it. And it, my mum, I would normally say, oh, mum, you know, I just got this sense. Or Mark, I'd, I couldn't speak a word to anyone. I just sat with that in my head for days. And then... I was reading a scripture in 2 Corinthians that says, this is 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I realised that I needed to in that moment make that thought obedient to Christ because do you know what? I didn't know what was going to happen with Sam. I honestly didn't know. The surgeons had told us, you know what? This is a pretty risky operation. Like if we nick the wrong artery, it's all over. That, there was that truth that had been spoken to me. The reality is the hardest lies that we, you know, the lies that are actually the easiest to believe are the ones that can be true, where there is actually some sort of truth to them. But you know what? I recognised when I made this obedient to Christ that it wasn't from Him because God will never speak fear into my life. He will never speak destruction into my life. God speaks love and hope and life. And I had to recognise this is not the voice of God. This is the voice of the accuser. You know, we need to guard our minds against those lies. I think too often we're walking around carrying lies that are crippling us and paralyzing us. And we actually need to, as 2 Corinthians says, make them obedient to Christ. We do that by surrendering, saying, God, you know, this is, I'm feeling this. I've had this thought, God, I want to surrender it to you. And you watch as the peace that will flow into your life. The second unhealthy fear, we've had the fear of lies, but the second unhealthy fear, I believe, is the fear of missing out 
or FOMO as people call it. I said that and Mark said, oh, I hate that word, FOMO. But it's true. You know, I think that this is actually quite common in our culture and we actually don't even realise how often we're making decisions in our life based on this, the fear of missing out. Our society is built on having more, being more, doing more than the next person. And if we're not keeping up with that, we start to feel a sense of fear. As I said, we don't realise it, but we start making decisions based around this. This is not what God has for us. To be living, having to, um, you know, always trying to um, show that we are good enough, that we can keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. We need to stop worrying and being fearful of being left out on the outskirts of society. You know, that picture of the sheep that I said before, I see, you know, when I said they were clamouring, that's this, you know, with the fear of missing out, people clamouring, trying to keep up, trying to stay on top of the other person. It is not healthy. The third really unhealthy fear I believe that we can have is the fear of man. Similar to that fear of missing out, but I think is equally unhealthy, is this fear of man. And I'm talking about fearing what other people think about you. Fearing what their opinions are, what their judgments are about you. You know, we can become obsessed with this. And it takes us away from the fear of the Lord. There's really two concerning outcomes with the fear of man. The first one is that we start to source our identity in the wrong places. And the second one is that we actually jeopardise our purpose in preaching the gospel. Instead of living out in our identity as a child of God, we start feeding off other people's thoughts and opinions about us. You know, this is hard. I'm not saying this as in, you know, I've got this sorted. This is hard. I feel that this is a battle we face as we constantly are seeking God, as we're constantly sitting and positioning ourselves in the fear of the Lord. We come up against this temptation and this battle to fear what other people think. You know, in a culture of like buttons and social media and just this sense that we have the right to judge each other all the time, it's really serious consequences from that. And as Christians, we start to take on those opinions and judgments. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. You know, a snare is a trap. Traps are painful. God does not want us living in painful traps. You know, let me ask you this morning, what or who is validating you? As I mentioned, the second concerning outcome when we fear man is that we jeopardise our purpose in preaching the gospel. If we are fearful of what others think, Um, it's going to be really hard to be bold in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. This is a countercultural gospel that we are sharing. This is not something that people enjoy hearing at times. That snare that I just read in Proverbs is actually, it actually causes us to freeze up when we're talking to someone, when we feel prompted to share about Jesus or act in a way that shows Jesus or even just to, you know, can I pray for you or, you know, someone asks you what you did on Sunday. That is the snare, the trap where we can freeze up. I think that if we are too busy fearing what others think of us, we are less likely to be promoting Jesus to those around us. 
It is extremely hard to live with unhealthy fear. And as I said, I'm no expert in this. But, you know, this morning, if you can walk away from this message with anything, I really want to encourage you with, with really two practical things that will help foster the fear of the Lord in our lives. The first one is to position yourself to recognise God's holiness. Hebrews 12, 28 to 29 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I mentioned Moses earlier in the burning bush. Moses literally saw God as a consuming fire. And I love um, how... The writer of Hebrews talks about that here. And, and in Exodus 3, 5, when Moses sees the burning bush, it's God says to Moses through the burning bush, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I wonder this morning what you need to take off, what you need to let go of, what you need to push aside to be able to stand in God's holiness in awe of him. Fearing the Lord is about acknowledging him and taking our eyes off ourselves and shifting, as I said before, our gaze to him. It's no wonder that Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, taught them to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, hallowed means make holy or treat as holy. You know, this needs to be a daily rhythm where we are seeing God as holy, where we are treating Him as holy. We are not just searching for the one experience here of awe when we sit with God in the fear of the Lord. This is a daily rhythm. We are each day identifying the majesty of God, the glory of God, the holiness of God. We wanna every day acknowledge His greatness. And I really believe that if we can get into the habit of doing this, that we will experience the right type of fear as we continually set our hearts on God. The second practical thing I think we can do to fear God, to sit in the fear of the Lord, I said it was positioning ourselves there, but the second thing is actually being obedient to Him. The Bible reminds us repeatedly that we should fear the Lord and out of this, flows obedience. Too often we are guided by our emotions and how we feel and we reduce God, as I said, to our smallness. But I believe God is calling us to fear Him in awe and reverence today and obey Him, whether we feel like it or not. There's a Christian leader and speaker and pastor called Kerry Newhoff and he says, your emotions catch up to your obedience. We're actually believing a lie if we think that the Christian walk is easy. You know, if you can find someone in the Bible who had an easy time of obeying and following God, let me know, because honestly, I haven't yet found that person. Becoming like Christ means that we need to be obedient and listen when we don't want to. He pushes us out of our comfort zone and that can be hard. You know, obedience doesn't have to be these huge acts. You know, Robbie, I want you to tomorrow get up and go and move, take your family and move to Africa. It's not huge acts. It can be, but it's often those small daily things, those promptings that we feel, you know, those convictions that we know, oh, 
It's God's spirit speaking to us that I need to do this or I need to not do something. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. We are all serving something. We're all serving someone. Being obedient to God leads us to walk in freedom in Him, as Romans has just said. It leads to His righteousness. You know, I believe that God really wants to challenge us to not fear fearing the Lord and that out of this, a new type of obedience would emerge. You know, as the world around us can feel like it's just becoming darker, God is calling his church to a greater level of obedience and intimacy with him where we can hear his voice closely. And I love in John 10, when Jesus again is talking about sheep and he's, uh, he says in verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Living with a healthy fear of the Lord is about listening to God's voice out of that relationship we have with him. Those small promptings that make us obedient to him. You know, as I begin to wrap up, I really want to share the story of the transfiguration in Matthew 17. And I mentioned this before where Jesus is transfigured in front of his disciples. I'm just going to read from verses 1 to 8. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will pull up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. When Jesus came and touched them, he said, get up and don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except for Jesus. I wonder if this morning you are here and you know that you need to hear Jesus saying to you, get up, don't be afraid. Maybe you are here this morning and you need to be reminded to see no one but Jesus. You know, Jesus came and he died a sinner's death on the cross and rose again to life so that we could have a relationship with him. You know, in the old covenant where it was just one person once a year that could enter the Holy of Holies to be in the presence of God, this beautiful, majestic God, who we are in awe of, you today have access to the presence of God at any moment because of Jesus' sacrifice. 
You know, I've talked a lot about us being like sheep and being fearful and skittish. And the reality is that sheep actually can be calm, secure and safe when they have a shepherd. In John 10, 14 to 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Perhaps some of you today need to be reminded of that sacrifice that Jesus made so that you can have complete access to God, that you are able to position yourself in the fear of the Lord, not to the point that you are terrified that you can't relate to Him, but actually that you're welcomed into His space, into His presence so that you can be in awe of Him, so that you can worship Him, so that you can shift your gaze of fear to the fear of the Lord that brings life life that brings wisdom, that brings His love. You know, our greatest fears are also our greatest opportunities for surrender and intimacy with God. And I encourage you today, if you are here and you are being captive, like I mentioned before, that being paralysed by fear, for whatever reason that is, could be one of the ones I've spoken about or it could be something else going on in your life, I encourage you as we sing to surrender that fear and to again acknowledge God's goodness. Acknowledge who He is. I think we all need to be encouraged today to sit in a healthy fear of the Lord and allow His perfect presence to infiltrate our lives. Why don't you stand with me and I'm going to pray over us before we sing. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You are both gentle and loving and powerful and sovereign. Lord, we know that in Your power, in Your might, Lord God, that you know we can have a sense of being terrified at times, Lord. But Lord, we ask today that You would turn that sense of, of who You are and how big You are into a sense of awe for You, Lord. That we would be drawn as a church to sit and position ourselves in the fear of the Lord as the world around us might start to feel really dark, Lord. As fear might be creeping into our hearts in our minds, lies of the enemy, Lord God. Would you break those off people right now, Jesus, by your Spirit, by your might. And would you draw us closer to you, Lord? Would we be those sheep that hear your voice and are obedient to what you are calling us to do, Lord God? Oh, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus' death and resurrection has meant that we have access to your presence, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is here now. Your Holy Spirit goes with us as we leave today and we can sit in the, in the awe and the majesty of you, Lord, and hear your voice speaking to us. Thank You, Lord, for these people that stand before me, God. Would You raise them up to be a people that sit in the right type of fear, Lord God. We thank You, Lord, for who You are and we give all honour and glory and praise to You. In Jesus' Name we pray. Amen.